At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Sports Betting Network. It is our number three of the look at right here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. We've got a tremendous hour for you as now it is officially midnight Pacific time out there in lovely Las Vegas and all across the West Coast. And as my producer Jason likes to say, Whenever we do wind up, whenever we do wind up hitting midnight, welcome to tomorrow and a good tomorrow to you. But we've got a lot to take a look at as we've got a lot on the board for Wednesday. So we're going to be taking a look at some MLB games, trying to get find you guys some winners on that front. And then on top of that, we're going to be joined by an absolutely tremendous guest. As we're going to be joined in about 15 minutes by Raheem Palmer. He does a great job over there at the Ringer. We're going to be talking with him a little bit about the NFL and. He's got some thoughts on Kevin Durant as well, and I believe that he is a D3 graduate, much like myself. I went to UW Oshkosh. He went to Wharton University, so always good to get those guys on the show as well. I am a big supporter of D3 graduates, so let's take a look at what we've got on the baseball betting board here in this segment. Try to find you guys some money for this Wednesday and then turn it forward to a little NFL on the flip side as we've got some very interesting games that are going to be going down, and how about if we wind up taking a look at streak that wound up coming to an end on Tuesday, but I think it's going to be able to build itself back up on Wednesday as this is 971, 972 on the betting board. And it's not a win streak, by the way, a little bit of a spoiler there, but the Miami Marlins, they're going to be going on the road facing off against the Oakland A's as Cole Irvin is going to be on the bump for the A's. And you got Asus Lazardo who's going to be on the bump for Miami. The total is one that wound up starting out at six and a half. Now we're seeing it up to a seven and the Miami Marlins, they were right around to pick them at the open. You're not finding them anywhere between minus 115 to a minus 125. And between minus 105 and plus 105 is your price on Oakland. And when it comes to the A's, I do think that they should be a slight favorite in this spot just because you've got Cole Irvin, who has been absolutely dynamic at home this season. He's got an ERA that is hovering right around about a 488 on the road. At home, it's been more around a 212. So he's been able to do his best work when he's been at home. He did wind up allowing two home runs in his last start to Eugenio Suarez. And to put this into perspective, in his first 12 home starts of the season, he had allowed two home runs all season long. So that goes to show you just how historic it was what Eugenio Suarez was able to do. But he overall this season has been able to do a terrific job of being able to hold down the fort on that front. And this is one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks in all of baseball out there in Oakland. Now, with Oakland, they actually do have a really good bullpen as well. The starting pitching certainly has been, shall we say, suspect when you've got guys like Zach Logan, Adam Muller, 
Getting starts, that's not necessarily so great, but you've had Cole Irvin be able to do a solid job, giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings. And take a look at things with Danny Jimenez, Sam Mall, AJ Puck, Domingo Acevedo, Zach Jackson, all these guys, they'll be able to provide a 3-2 ERA or better in this bullpen. For Miami, it's been a hit-or-miss bullpen. Steve Okert be able to do a relatively solid job. They do wind up trading away Anthony Bass at the deadline, but you still have out there guys like Abe, Dylan Floro has been able to do an okay job, Richard Blyer as well. But when it comes down to the Miami Marlins, this team, prior to what we had seen on Tuesday, 22 straight games with four runs or fewer. And they have scored three runs or fewer, and now 21 out of their last 23 games. This is one of the most anemic offenses that we have really ever seen, and one of the worst just scoring stretches in the history of baseball. And baseball, it is pretty stinking old. A little bit older than myself, to say the least. And you take a look at this Miami Marlins team, and they had one guy in the starting lineup that entered into Tuesday with more than six home runs this season. Aces Aguirre, he's been able to pound out 15 of them for the Miami Marlins, but really past that, there's no offense whatsoever to speak up for this team. Now, with the Oakland A's and the Miami Marlins game, this is going to be a little bit more of an afternoon game. This is going to be 12.37 local time, and that is important to keep in mind because with Oakland, the reason why offensive numbers wind up plummeting when teams wind up playing in this ballpark is that the marine layer is out. It winds up happening just really across West Coast ballparks in general. It feels like the nighttime winds up affecting West Coast ballparks a little bit more than East Coast where the air becomes a little bit heavier, but I always do think that that is something to wind up keeping in mind. But with the Oakland A's, they themselves really don't have a lot of offense as Seth Seth Brown, along with what you've been able to see out of Sean Murphy, both of these guys, he combined 33 home runs this season. And Murphy, going into the game that we wound up seeing on Tuesday, he was the only person with more than 25 at-bats this season that was hitting above a 237. That was in the starting lineup for the Oakland A's. As a collective, they hit right around a 205 to a 210 at home. It's been pretty deplorable. These guys really don't draw a lot of walks. They're currently without Ramon Laureano. Not a lot of redeeming qualities there. And Bracey Cesardo, he has missed much of the season for the Miami Marlins, but when he's been out there, he's been able to get right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings. In his fourth start since returning, he's given up just seven runs. He has looked relatively solid. It's come against relatively solid competition as well. So, Jesus Cesardo, someone that you're able to trust him, but I do think the Cole Irvin going to continue what he's been able to do at home for so much of the season, be relatively dominant, being able to get right around a minus 105 to a plus 105. That appeals to me because I felt like this line should have been pretty much reversed. I wound up saying Oakland as a minus 124 favorite, so I'm willing to take a look at the A's, and we wound up seeing a little bit of a sign of life from the Miami Marlins offense on Tuesday. I don't think that we're going to be seeing that same thing, and for those of you guys, much like myself, that wound up biting on the under on Tuesday, it still took three runs from the Oakland A's in the ninth inning, one of the most unlikely things that happened in baseball in quite a while to wind up happening, to wind up toasting that under. I think that this time we are not going to be seeing that same thing wind up taking place. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. And with the ace, I think that there's some relatively solid value there. We take a look at one ballpark that is very, very pitcher friendly. How about if we wind up going to the most hitter friendly ballpark in all of baseball? This is going to be 969, 970 on the betting board. The Texas Rangers, they're on the road facing off against the Colorado Rockies as Jose Ureña is going to be going for the Colorado Rockies. As I like to say, he's hoping to not Ureña all over this game. And for the Texas Rangers, it's Martin Perez. And we have seen the money come in on Texas. They open up a minus 115 favorite. They're now between about a minus 130 to a minus 135 favorite, depending upon where you shop. And it's a total that it is one of the highest ones that you're going to find on the board. As a matter of fact, 
And it's the highest one because it's Coors Field. You're finding the total at 11. And I do like this total over, but because I do think that Jose Urania is, is going to wind up getting crushed, not so much what we've seen out of Martin Perez. As Perez, he's been able to do a great job with the walks all season long. From 2018 to 2020, he was given up right around 3.8 walks per nine innings. Now he's given up more like 2.3, 2.4 per nine innings. His road ERA has been sub three all season long. He's been able to do a solid job. And for Jose Urania, he wound up having a couple very good starts to begin his career with the Colorado Rockies. And ever since then, it has been a little bit more rough. Three plus runs surrendered and five out of his last six starts. That's what happens when you wind up pitching at Coors. And I mean, even though his ERA with the Rockies right now is a 489, it's very fair to say that he has been getting lucky with them because he's been getting less than five strikeouts per nine innings, more than four walks per nine innings, giving up 1.4 home runs per nine innings. If you take a look at it, he probably should have an ERA that's closer to six right now rather than the 489 that he's been registering with the Colorado Rockies. And now he has to go up against a lineup of the Texas Rangers that got all sorts of guys that are starting to mash for this team as Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, along with Nate Lowe. All these guys have been able to give you at least 18 home runs. Lowe has been able to about a 295 for this team. Adelise Garcia is able to give you some good versatility as well in that lineup as he and Seager hitting between about a 250 to a 255. Then on top of that, you've been able to get some good production as well out of someone like an Ezekiel Duran, who towards the bottom of the fold, he's been able to do a good job of being able to move the line for this team. Jonah Hyman, double-digit amount of homers at the catcher spot as well. And for the Colorado Rockies, you've obviously got the biggest home and road splits of any team in baseball with regards to their offense because, well, when you wind up going to elevation, the ball's going to fly a little bit more. As for the Colorado Rockies, they've got 18 wins on the road thus far this season, and I believe that they're up to 35 wins at home. So that goes to show you just how big the splits are. And the big thing for the Rockies is the power numbers because, I mean, the batting average does wind up going up by right around 40 or so points when they are at home versus on the road. But the big thing is they get right around 1.15, 1.2 home runs per game when they're at home. 0.6 home runs on the road. Like C.J. Crone, for instance, he's got 24 home runs. 17 of them have come at home. Brendan Rodgers, he's got 11 home runs this season. 10 of them have wound up coming at Coors Field. And that manifests itself with the bullpen as well. Even though it's such a hitter-friendly ballpark, because when you wind up going from elevation to elevation and vice versa, it winds up throwing these guys off. So someone like a Lucas Gilbreth has an ERA that's sub-3 at home. Meanwhile, it's north of 6 on the road, which I always think is very intriguing. And for the Texas Rangers, this has been a bullpen that has went straight down the toilet bowl ever since the Joe Barlow injury. They do wind up welcoming back Dennis Santana, but in the final 45 days before he wound up spending about a month or so on the injured list, he had an ERA north of 11. That was a really bad stretch for him. Now, you still have out there Matt Moore, Brock Burke, both of these guys that would give you a sub-2-5 ERA, and I do think that that's going to be enough because you do have... Still a Rocky team that they're going to be throwing out there. Jose Ureña and Martin Perez has been able to do a very solid job all season long for the Texas Rangers team. So this is a circumstance where I did want to say my total just a little bit north of 11. I'm going to be taking a look at it over. And with the Rangers, I fully agree with this line movement that we have been seeing. I wound up setting them a minus 146 favor personally. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Texas Rangers. And I am also going to be taking a look at this total over as well. I'm just going to give you some quick thoughts here before we wind up going out and talking a little bit more baseball towards the end of the show because we did wind up seeing quite a few games with a to-be-determined starter on the board that was not known until the games wound up wrapping up on Tuesday, and this is one of them. 9.55-9.56, Chicago Cubs are going to be playing us the St. Louis Cardinals with Miles Michaelis going for the Cardinals, and Luke Farrell's on the bump for the Cubs. 
Right now, the only place that has a total up on this game is Circa. The over and the under are both at 8.5, and Miles Michaelis and company finding themselves anywhere between minus $2 and minus $2.15 favorites. Between plus 178 and plus 188 is your price on the Cubs. And I'm very curious to see what the run line of the St. Louis Cardinals is going to be until you wind up having a total. You really don't have a run line. And right now here at Circa, it's a minus 128. That is literally what I wound up setting the run line at. I'm going to be curious to see if more books wind up posting this up right around a minus 120 to a minus 125 because I'd be in on them. Cardinals, they wind up scoring one run in a span of 18 innings from Monday into Tuesday of their doubleheader. They bust out. They still have some of the best offense that you're going to find in the National League. So I'm going to be willing to trust in the Cardinals up to a minus 128 on that run line. And I always trust in this man to be able to deliver the goods. Raheem Palmer does a great job at the ringer. He's going to be joining me next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. This is the look ahead on VEASAN, the Sports at Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Sports Betting Network. Pocket cash with popular picks. Join the Levi's 501 Pop Culture Pools for free and answer questions for a shot at $10,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Levi's now to get on, on the action. Levi's, buy better, wear longer. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com for details. As we're back here on the lookout with myself, Greg Peterson, and it is great to be joined by Raheem Palmer. He does a great job over there at The Ringer and one of the best Twitter names that you're going to find. Hopefully I say this correctly. I am Raheem Stradamus. Did I do a good job there or was I a little bit off? I, I think you butchered it. It's I am Rostradamus. Rostradamus. So there we go. On- yeah, it's a it's a play on Nostradamus. Yes, and then it's also I mean you got to remember my name is Raheem, so it's Ra, and then you know Rostradamus. Rostradamus. So there we go. Now we've got it. But absolutely love it, and I absolutely love that. Just the off season of basketball just never seems to end. We saw with Kevin Durant the whole saga. He was requesting a trade, everything like that, and now it seems like he's pretty set on returning to the Brooklyn Nets. What do you make out of all this? Because we were seeing odds up all over the place. Who would be the next team for Kevin Durant? Is he going to be getting traded? We saw a big shift in terms of the odds market in terms of that as well. And now it seems like he's pretty set on returning to the Nets, which I sort of thought was going to be the case all along. But it felt like it was, for lack of a better term, much more complicated than it needed to be. 
I mean, I think the biggest thing that comes when it comes to this trade is the fact that the Rudy Gobert trade from Utah to Minnesota completely destroyed this market. I mean, they got so much in terms of assets, in terms of picks, that there was no way for the Brooklyn Nets to realistically get the kind of package that they were looking for for a 34-year-old Kevin Durant. Now, I mean, look, there were still some people who still believe that Kevin Durant and Kyrie aren't going to work together and you know, these two guys are going to be traded. But, you know, I told everybody when it happened, it just didn't make sense for them to trade Kevin Durant. They have all the leverage. He has four years left on his deal. And when you look at the fact that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving together, they were, when you put those two on the floor together, they had one of the best offenses in NBA history. I mean, they were scoring 1.2 points per possession with those two guys on the floor. Uh, they just had some bad luck in terms of injuries. And then obviously Kyrie Irving had the situation where he didn't want to take the vaccine. But I think you get those two guys in the camp. And I mean, there's a reason why we saw their odds shift from 15 to 1 to 7 to 1 today. Yep, and when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets as well, I think that you laid it out very perfectly. And something that I feel like hasn't gotten enough love in terms of the futures market as well. The fact that the Minnesota Twins or the Minnesota Timberwolves, they did wind up making that trade for Rudy Gobert. And I was right there with you. I took a look at the haul that the Utah Jazz wound up getting for Gobert. And I just thought that it was way too much. I don't know if it necessarily made too much of a seismic shift out there in the West. Now, the Utah Jazz, it seems like they're going to be going through a little bit of a rebuild. We have seen this under Danny Age in the past. And we know that there are still rumors out there of Donovan Mitchell, whether or not he's going to wind up getting traded. And if they do wind up trading him, that's going to be a big giant haul as well. But I'm not sure about you, but I don't think that Rudy Gobert necessarily makes too much of an elevation from what we wind up seeing in terms of being able to compete for a title, certainly getting out of the first round. But in terms of competing for a title, I don't know if Rudy Gobert is quite it. Well, look, I mean, when you look at Rudy Gobert, he's probably one of the most, he's probably the best drop defender of all time. Um, and I mean, a lot of the analytics guys weigh that heavily. Now, when you look at this Minnesota Timberwolves team, I think they're going to make a leap, but I think that leap comes in the regular season. And with that leap coming in the regular season, I think you could play the Minnesota Timberwolves over 48 and a half wins. But I also think the beneficiary of that is also Anthony Edwards. When you look at a guy like Anthony Edwards, he averaged 22, he averaged 20 points a game last year in the regular season. In the playoffs, his averages jumped to 25 points. Now, if you look at the if you look at the history of the most improved player award over the last 10, 11, 12 years, it's gone to a player who has their first all-star appearance. And normally that's a guy scoring around 25, 26, 27 points per game. Who is that guy who can make that leap into that category, into that all-star category? It's Anthony Edwards. So, I mean, right now you can get Anthony Edwards' most improved player at plus 12 to 1. I mean, look, you look at some of the guys who won it. Bam Adebayo, um, Brandon Ingram. You look at the – like, all of these guys have had their first all-star appearance. I think Anthony Edwards can do that with the fact that you got Rudy Gobert on this team and they could be pushing 50 wins. Now, I do agree with you on Anthony Edwards. I was very impressed by what I wound up seeing out of him from the back half of last season. And I do think that the Timberwolves, no doubt, they wind up getting a boost from this. I just still take a look at what we're going to be getting out there in the West. And we are seeing a very, shall we say, shall we say close board in terms of the top teams. And the one team that I feel like doesn't necessarily fit there among all the others is the LA Clippers. Now, they're going to be getting back Kawhi Leonard after he wound up missing the entirety of this last season. And I mean, Paul George, when he's out there on the floor, because he wound up dealing with some injuries himself, 
he's a special player as well. But I take a look at the Clippers and having them sort of in that same tier as the Golden State Warriors and company, it feels like a little bit too much of a jump for me. I'm not sure where you said on the Clippers, but I just still feel like they're a tier below some of the top teams out there in the West. I mean, I love you, but I have to disagree here. Um, look, I, I was one of those people who had futures on the Clippers the year before last year. And obviously, Kawhi Leonard got hurt. But I think you bring that roster back. And when you look at this roster, I mean, look, to me, Ty Lue is probably one of the best coaches in the NBA right now. He's the best in terms of making adjustments, particularly in the playoffs. When you look at a guy like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, those are two of the best wings in the NBA. When you you you, you put them around Marcus Morris, you and then you add guys like Norman Powell. I mean, Norman Powell off the bench could score. Um, Reggie Jackson. You you add John Watts to that mix. It's just this is a team who is going to be a top five defensive team. They have switchable wings who can, you know, cause problems on both ends of the floor. Um, to me, they don't have any weaknesses. The only weaknesses that you could look at this team and see that they have is maybe a center. But I mean, I like Zubak and maybe a point guard, but they bring in John Wall and John Wall doesn't have to be the John Wall from from D.C. He just has to, you know, create easy buckets and transition i mean you got two of the best wing players in the league and they can switch screen and rolls you know a lot of people kill me for this but i think i look at ty lewis this generation's version of phil jackson and i say that in a sense that he's able to get the best out of top tier talent more than just about anybody i mean you look at some of the guys he's coached you know david black got fired in cleveland who took over tyron lu brought them to a championship. He coached He coached LeBron James. He was able to tell LeBron, you got to do this. He coached Kyrie Irving, who's been a head case since he left Cleveland. Then he, you know, he, he comes in with the Clippers. It's, to me, he's, I mean, he brought the Clippers to their first Western Conference final, you know, a year after Doc got fired. So I, I love this Clippers team. I actually gave it out as plus 750. I think you got to take them. You got you to have them in your, your futures portfolio. And you bring up something with Ty Lue because he's finding himself at 13 to 1 at DraftKings to be able to win coach of the year. And I do think that it's interesting to take a look at this because so many people think that, oh, it's just really easy to coach up all this talent. Oh, you've got LeBron James on your team. That makes it super duper easy. But I do feel like there is something to being able to coach up these guys. I mean, Look no further than what we've seen in the past with the Brooklyn Nets last year. It was a case in which I felt like you wound up having Steve Nash not being able to get the most out of those guys. Obviously, injury wound up having a lot to play with that as well. But I do think that there is something to a coach that knows how to be able to maneuver the talent and just having everyone just staying on the same page because when you get a lot of talent in the same room, sometimes the most difficult thing is just having it all be on the same page. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. And I think Ty Lue has proven that time and time again. Uh, and just, I mean, his ability to make adjustments is second to none. I mean, especially when it comes into the playoff series. I mean, you look at a guy who, I mean, he he knows when to go small and I mean, he knows when to, you know, press certain buttons. So, I mean, he's one of my favorites out there. I, I don't know about coach of the year. I think, you know, there's certain requirements for coach of the year. And I think the biggest thing with coach of the year is that you do have to win a certain amount of games. and when you look at Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, the the primarily thing that they're trying to do is they want to keep these guys healthy for the postseason. So they're not going to go balls to the wall in the regular season and, and push it. So I'm I'm a little scared of coach of the year in that in that aspect. But I think when it comes to the playoffs, that's a guy who you want to be backing. And I do think that it's always a little bit of a roll of the dice when it comes to coach of the year odds as well, because look no further than the NFL. 
You really don't find anyone that is south of 8-1, to one, and you don't find anyone that's really north of 50-1, to one, and you're finding that in terms of the NBA as well. M.A. Udoka is actually the favorite at plus 650, and you've got a couple guys that are right there at 100-1, to one, but, I mean, there's really, like, five, six guys that are below 70-1 at this point, so it is very much a little bit of a different market to take a look at, so I'm in agreement with you there, and we've got about 30 seconds. Other than what we're seeing with the Clippers, is there any other team that you think, from a futures perspective, is offering a little bit of value out there in the NBA? Okay, so I gave you Anthony Edwards. I mean, obviously, you you definitely want to take some Paolo futures. I mean, he's plus 300 right now. Um, like, those are my favorite, too. Um, when it comes to the win totals, I think there's there's some good ones out there. I think you can go like Sacramento over. Um, I, I think you want to be looking at Philly this year. I, I think Philly is going to have a good regular season. I mean, when you look at what Daryl Morey did, obviously I am from Philadelphia. You see the process stuff in the yes. background, but when you look at what Daryl Morey did to add to this, this roster, I think they're in good position. I think they are as well, and we're in good position on the NFL. We're talking that next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Place to visit before you place your next bet. That's VSIN. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSIN.com to check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and the bets are moving for every game? The betting splits page is updated every 10 minutes so that way we're able to see all the changes in the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money just doesn't match up with the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way that VEASAN is here to make you a smarter better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every single game now at VEASAN.com as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and being rejoined by Raheem Palmer. Does a great job over there at the ringer. And Raheem, I know you, much like myself, are getting set for week number one of the NFL season. And... As we know, these lines are going to be moving a little bit more as we wind up getting down to it, as we wind up seeing these final preseason games played. But has there been anything that you've fired in on thus far for NFL Week 1? Oh, okay, so I, I fired early. I think last time I was on this show, I told everybody I fired on the Giants. Obviously, the Giants are a team that I'm looking to buy with Ryan DeBoer, and the Titans are a team that I'm looking to fade. I mean, obviously, they overperformed their Pythagorean expectation by almost two games. They lose A.J. Brown. I think Ryan Tannehill is on his way out, so I'm fading the Titans. I took that at six and a half, but there's a six still available in the market, so that's that was one of my bigger plays. I also played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dallas Cowboys under 51. I had a little problems getting that in. I'm over here on the East Coast. I went to a sports book. I don't know if you guys had saw it on my Twitter, but I tried to bet it at under 51 and a half. And I I placed a $3,300 bet on the the under 51 and a half. And the sports book, they actually moved the number and then rejected my my bet. So I was very disappointed with that. But I was able to get a 51 at Caesars. 51 is key. I mean, when you look at the when you look at this game specifically, Obviously, Tom Brady has missed some time, but the biggest issue with this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team is that, I mean, their offensive line is a mess. I mean, you, you got Jensen, you got Marpet, you got Kappa, all going from that offensive line, and then Aaron Stinney gets hurt. So this is a banged-up unit, and then when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, my beloved Dal- Dallas Cowboys, I mean, obviously, they trade Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, 
tore his ACL last year. So it's really just CD Lamb. So, I mean, I think this total is a little bit too high. Um, Another one I fired on, that number's gone. I took the Eagles and the Lions over 46 and a half. That's up to 48. Um, another one I'm probably going to be looking to fire on is the New Orleans Saints at five. My model makes that seven, eight. But I think my biggest plays right now are the Giants minus, I mean, plus six and a half and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dallas Cowboys under 50. And I think you can find that at Caesars right now. But I mean, it's mostly 50, 50 is and a half in the market right now. And you did bring up something that deserves to be brought a little bit more attention to. You just mentioned it. You were trying to bet the under 51 and a half in that Buccaneers versus the Cowboys game. You're out there at an East Coast book and they wound up not just rejecting your action, but they wound up pretty much moving the line. And I don't know if they offered it to you after they had moved it or not, but just take the people through this because this needs to be brought a little bit more light to, in my opinion, because what happened to you wasn't right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally not right. I mean, basically, they put, you know, a lot of betters in position to where you're doing your job. You're doing the job of the bookmaker. You know, a lot of times you see some of these lines and they're off and the bookmaker, you know, they, they start to notice it after you place your bet. It's like, you know, analogy I give is that let's just say you were in the grocery store and, you know, they were offering 25 cent wings. And I go I come up to the cash register and I say, you know what, I want 100 wings. And then, you know, they pause for a second. The cash, the, ca- <laughs> the cashier goes to the manager and says, you know what? This deal on these wings is too much. You gonna, I'm going to charge you a dollar a wing. And that's, I mean, that's essentially what happened to me. So I was, I was really angry. I mean, it's very disappointing. But, I mean, fortunately, I was able to, you know, get a under 51 somewhere else. But it was frustrating because they moved off a key number. I mean, obviously 51 comes up 4% of the time in NFL totals. So I basically did their job for them. So I was really angry about that, but I mean, it comes with the territory. If you're, you know, one of the sharper players out here, you're going to deal with some of that shadiness from some of these books. And hopefully, you know, over time, we'll see some type of regulation to protect the betters out here. Yep, and we saw that with one of our colleagues over here at Vison, James Salinas, when he was trying to bet on the NFL draft. That wound up happening to him as well. I believe that the ticket in his case was actually already printed, and then they wouldn't hand it to him. So it is something that I do encourage anyone to take a look at the video to wind up taking a look at that just because it is something that more light needs to be brought to it. And I'm glad that you did wind up posting that up. And it is something that does need to be highlighted. And something else that we do need to highlight as well, and a little bit more of a better note is the fact that you mentioned it in the last segment. You are someone that you've got all the Philly gear behind you. We've been hearing a lot about the Philadelphia Eagles coming into the season, whether or not they're going to be able to win in NFC East. That we haven't seen a repeat winner in in over 15 seasons. Where do you stand on the Philadelphia Eagles coming into the season? Because I do think that it's interesting to take a look at them, and I do think that it's pretty clear that it is either the Cowboys or the Eagles that are going to be able to win the division. I can't buy in on the Commanders or the Giants as of right now. But with that said, where do you stand on the Eagles coming into this season? I think the Eagles, I mean, they have everything that you're looking for except for a quarterback. I mean, like, I mean, we look at the Eagles last year. I mean, look, I'm really big at looking at the Pythagorean stuff. I mean, look, they have <laughs> like this is a team that struggled in close games last year. I think they they lost four out of six close games, one score games. That tends to regress to the mean. When you look at their schedule, they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. I mean, obviously, you trade for A.J. Brown. You, you still got Devontae Smith. I mean, he's still got one of the best O-lines in the league. If Jalen Hurts could be that guy, this is a team that 
I mean, they have a Super Bowl caliber roster. Now, I mean, for me, I think I said this before, I took a flyer on the Giants. I think the Giants, they have a real chance at actually winning this division. I mean, and 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 doing some things. So I took them at plus 700 to win this division. I took them at plus 225 to make the playoffs. And I'm, I'm fading my Cowboys. I think the Cowboys take a step back. A lot of their success last year had to do with turnovers. Um, And obviously, I mean, I mentioned it earlier on, um, but when you lose Amari Cooper, you, um, Michael Gallup isn't back. I think this this passing game takes a step back. I think they get less turnovers. I mean, and I think I think they take a step back. So I think, I mean, to me, the Eagles are the favorite. But I personally, you know, from a numbers perspective, I'm on the Giants. Yep, and I do j- take a look at that division in general. And I do think that the NFC is quite a bit open as well, just because you do have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We know that Tom Brady wanted to take it as a little bit of a leave. I think that a little bit more has been made out of it than a lot of people are anticipating because it sounds like the team knew about it. So I still think that they're going to be fine. But the one team that I take a look at in the NFC that I think could wind up rising up is that is a team in that very division, in the New Orleans Saints. They were hit by Murphy's Law last year in terms of injury, and yet they were still able to muster a 9-8 and record with Taysom Hill getting starts at the quarterback spot. That's not necessarily ideal for them now. Losing Sean Payton, that yeah. is going to be very big for them, and I don't think that that could be understated, but you also wind up getting back Jameis Winston, who looked competent before he wound up going down with an injury. Michael Thomas as well. Not sure where you wind up standing on the Saints, but no question. Even without a coaching change, I do think that this is a team that they've got the possibility to, sur- to surprise, and a lot of places have been offering plus money on the Saints to be able to make the postseason, and I think that there's some value there. I think there's some huge value. I actually took the Saints plus 300 to win the NFC South. I mean, when you look at the Saints team, I mean, look, they, they, I think they had the second most adjusted games lost through football outsiders um, adjusted games lost metric. I mean, they won games with Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill, Ian Book at cornerback last year. And then, I mean, you look at the, the wide receiver core, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave. Um, I mean, you look at this defense, Dennis, Dennis Allen's defense is going to be one of the best defenses in the league. You add the Honey Badger. I think they're live. Um, now, when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I, honestly, I'm out on them this year. And I think a lot of, you're seeing a lot of sharp money playing at under 11 and a half. I think I'm, I'm going to grab some myself. You know, I love Tom Brady. I say this all the time. I say it, but it's like Tom Brady is like Alonzo from training day. <laughs> you give him 18 months. He'll give you a career. I mean, when you look at what he's done throughout his career, I mean, he's always in those big moments. What, what did Alonzo from Training Day say? Our unit makes the big bust. We make the big seizures. I mean, how many Super Bowls has Tom Brady played in? And it doesn't matter who's out there with him. But this year, when you look at that offensive line, as I mentioned earlier, when it comes to the week one, obviously, you, you're out Jensen. You're out Marpet. You're out Kappa. You're out Stenny. At some point, that's going to come back to bite you. How, I mean, what's the weakness of Tom Brady? You want to pressure him up in the middle in that interior. And if that interior offensive line isn't what it was, I, I just I just don't think that this unit is going to be the same. And then obviously, I mean, when Tom Brady first came on this team, this was this was a team who had the number one run defenses in the league. And I think they're a little soft up in the middle. So I just think this team is kind of falling apart. And I mean, if Tom Brady wasn't on this team, I think this would be this would be an under that everybody would be on. So I like the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers under 11 and a half wins. And I, I mean, I'm on the Saints. I think the Saints are the front runner in this division. I mean, if if Dennis Allen can just get anything out of that offense and Jameis can avoid the mistakes, I like the Saints. Yep, I do think that the Saints are going to be able to make some noise. And to your point, it's a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that they saw Ali Marpet 
wind up retiring in the offseason. Center winds up going down during training camp as well. So lots of things to be concerned about, but no concerns whenever you get we get you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. And you know, I'm gonna be in Vegas on Friday. Um, hopefully I'll see you guys next week in the studio live. Um, I'm signing up for that circuit contest. I'm signing up for the super contest. We're going to have some good time in Vegas. So um, hopefully we meet in person. Absolutely. That'll be tremendous. And College football guide here at VSIN is out right now, and the NFL betting guide is going to be dropping on Thursday. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of every single team, including trends, power rankings, over, under. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Recommendations plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, player awards, and much more. Remember that the only way to be able to get access to this year's football betting guide is by becoming a VEASAN all-access subscriber. Sign up on our discounted football special and get access to everything that we do. Now through the Super Bowl, that is going to be for just $175 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the sports betting network team as it is the final segment right here on The Lookout with myself, Greg Peterson. Holding it down for Scott Seidenberg tonight. And if you're listening to me live, well, you've got three more hours of myself on tap. I don't know whether to say you're welcome or to say that I am sorry, but if you're listening to the replay. Follow the money. That is going to be coming up next. And at right around 7.30 a.m. Eastern time, they're going to be joined by Anthony Heron, Big Ten Network analyst. They're going to be having Mike Palm, Tom Todd Dewey on as well. Well, we all know what Mike does. He does an amazing job over here at the network on top of that. I know that he always does a great job with no hyperbole as well. So got that going on. Todd Dewey does a great job over there at Las Vegas Review Journal as well. So the guys, they've got a locked and loaded show. They always deliver the goods. So I will try to do so here in the final segment, taking a look at what we've got on the MOB board for Wednesday. And big thanks to all the guests that have joined me tonight. Pam Maldonado joined me in studio in hour number one. We did wind up having Ryan Kramer join me in hour number two. Dave Ross. He does a tremendous job at the network. He joined me along the way. And Raheem Palmer joined me in the last two segments. Does a great job over there at the ringer. So big thanks to them. And a big thanks to this pitching matchup for providing me a little bit of a look at and over. 953-954 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies as Christopher Sanchez is going to be going for the Phillies. And TJ Zoik is going to be on the bump for the Reds. And the Reds. They are a pretty sizable underdog, anywhere between plus $2 and plus 215 And 
with the Phillies. It's anywhere between minus 240 and minus 250 that you're finding them at with a total of 8.5, just a little bit to the over end. My DK Nation write-up is going to be on the over end when it comes to a little bit of side perspective to keep this one a little bit more simple. Seeing the Phillies run line hovering in the neighborhood about a minus 115 to a minus 120, I was willing to go up to a minus 130. And the reason why I don't necessarily see as much value on the money line rather than the run line is because I do think that this is going to be a very high-scoring game. Christopher Sanchez, he has overall for the season a 3.80 ERA at the big league level because he's done a lot of his pitching out there at the minor league level as well. But this is going to be his first start since July 5th when he wound up going up against the Washington Nationals. On top of that, he has a fielding independent that is a little bit north of a 4.7. So beginning a tad bit lucky because he gets fewer than seven strikeouts per nine innings. Gives out 3.4 walks per nine innings. A little bit of a home run per nine innings. So metrics with him have not necessarily been so tremendous. Now, he's going up against a red steam that ever since the trade deadline, it's been a little bit more depleted on offense. Mike Moussakis is back in the fold, but it's been a rather sad year for him. You've got Donovan Solano, though. He's hitting above a 300 pair of guys in Nick Senzel along Jonathan India that do a solid job of being able to move the line. Bottom of the fold when you wind up getting into some of these guys like Austin Romine and company, not necessarily the place where you want to be, but top of the fold has been able to do a relatively solid job. And for the Phillies, behind Christopher Sanchez, we got a pair of guys that are currently injured for them. Corey Knable looks like it's going to be done for the year, and Sir Anthony Dominguez has been one of their best bullpen pieces, so that winds up leading to less than trustworthy guys getting sent up to the big leagues. That is an issue for the Phillies, and when it comes to bullpen issues, while the Phillies might be 18th in terms of bullpen ERA in Major League Baseball, yeah, the Reds are currently dead last, and we wound up seeing this take place on Tuesday as well. The game that we wound up seeing between these two on Tuesday is actually 0-0 zero zero going into the sixth inning. It winds up landing 7-6 because neither bullpen could wind up getting any outs whatsoever. It was a very sad situation for both of those teams, and Alexis Diaz, the only reliever for the Cincinnati Reds, as active as a sub-3-1 ERA. He wound up having to throw 19 pitches yesterday, so that puts him a little bit behind the eight ball. And then our good friend TJ Zoik, he has made two starts thus far this season at the big league level. Both starts, he wound up going four innings. Both starts, he gave up six runs. He has given up four home runs over the course of his eight innings overall. And you might say that it's a small sample size, and it certainly is for our good friend Mr. Zoik this season, but... Overall, for his career at the big league level, he's been posting up north of a five-year and then be able to take a look at the minor league level this year as well, where he should be doing a little bit better. Between double-A AA and triple-A, he has made 13 total starts, 670 ERA. The command is not good. The amount of home runs that he gives up is horrid. He has been not necessarily getting a lot of strikeouts, not a lot of redeeming qualities going up against the Phillies team that they are so without Bryce Harper, but you've got Kyle Schwarber back in the fold. He's been able to give this team 34 home runs. Batting average has not been there for him, but JT Riamuto over the last 45 days, he's been leading most metrics in terms of hitting catchers, in terms of things like batting average and on-base percentage. He has been tremendous for this Phillies team. He, along with Cassianos, both hitting right around about a 270. You've been able to get a little bit of a boost as well. From what we've been able to get out of Alec Bohm, just being able to move the line, get on base, he's been able to do a solid job all season long. Reese Hoskins does have some rather big righty to lefty splits, but Still has been able to get north of 25 home runs this season. He's sitting in the pocket about a 242-245 bottom of the fold when you've got guys like Matt Feerling and company out there. It can leave a little bit of something to be desired, but Philly certainly not one of the worst ballparks out there to wind up hitting in as well. A red team that has just not been able to show a lot of fight in terms of their bullpen and trotting out their guy with this ERA. 
Not something that I want to be taking a look at in terms of anything other than the over. I felt like this total should have been a little bit closer to 10, which it sounds extreme, but let's keep in mind this is CJ Zoik and Christopher Sanchez. They're going in the start, so being able to get an 8.5 is going to be doing my write-up on the over. And for the Phillies, I think that they've got a good shot to be able to win this game by multiple runs. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 132 on that run line, so I'm going to be taking a look at the run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. How about if we wind up hitting upon one of the earlier games since this is going to be one that out here on the West Coast takes place at 9.35 a.m. Pacific time in terms of first pitch, 12.35 p.m. Eastern time. This is the Atlanta Braves on the road facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. 951-952, top of the betting board as it is Kyle Wright who winds up going for the Braves and Mitch Keller is going to be on the bump for the Pirates. The Pirates are an underdog in this spot of anywhere between about a plus 205 to a plus 210, seeing straight plus 220 here at Circa. And then with the Braves, they're between minus 240 and minus 250 with a total anywhere between 8 and 8.5. Right now, DraftKings seems to be the lone ranger on an 8 with the 8.5. You're seeing quite a bit of juice on the under end. Everything that I've got available because DraftKings, it is not available out here in lovely Las Vegas as an 8.5 and on the 8.5, I would be taking a look at the under with Mitch Keller. He's actually been able to do a little bit of a better job in his most recent few starts. He's allowed two home runs over the course of his last five starts and the big thing for Mitch Keller always winds up coming back to walks for his career right around 3.8 to 3.9 walks per nine innings. Over his last five starts, fewer than three walks per nine innings. So we've seen a little bit of improvement. He does have a little bit of higher ERA at home rather than on the road. And when it comes to Kyle Wright, his ERA is right around about a 2.9 at home. Goes up to about a 3.25-ish on the road. But he's been able to do a very solid job. He's got 15 wins this season. He's getting right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Has really been able to limit the walks problems that prior to this season were really hampering him. But when it comes to the Pirates, I do think that here at a plus one twenty here at a plus 220. We're starting to get there. I would need more like a plus 225 to be able to take a shot on them. I recognize that they are at home, but you got too many guys towards the bottom of the fold to really trust in. Onyo Cruz, Gregory Allen, Badreas, Medeiros. I mean, the list goes on and on of guys that are hitting a 225 or lower for this team. You do have someone in Brian Reynolds who I've been impressed with. 20 home runs. He's been able to about a 260 for the team, and you do have Cabrian Ace. He wanted coming off the injured list. He's been able to hit right in the pocket about a 250 along with guys like Ben Gamble, Kevin Newman at the top of the fold has been solid, but that bottom it's just not great. And for the Atlanta Braves, even with having Austin Riley have his recent struggles, just three home runs over the last 25 games. He, Michael Harris, the second day, Anthony Swanson, only between about a 285 to a 295. The Atlanta Braves, they are towards the top of the National League in terms of home runs per game, so they've been able to do a great job with that power. Matt Olson has been able to give you north of 20 home runs, and the Atlanta Braves, they just back up their guy in Kyle Wright with a better bullpen as well as you've been able to have so many guys like Dylan Lee, A.J. Minter, along with Tyler Madzik, all be able to provide a sub-3 ERA, and then on top of that, they pick up Rossi Iglesias at the trade deadline, and for the Pirates, one of their most trustworthy bullpen pieces, Chase Young, he had to throw north of two innings on Tuesday, so that knocks him out of the full Colin Olderman, Multiple Crow, these guys have been solid, but for the Pirates, they still rank in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, using up one of their more trustworthy pieces. That does wind up setting them back a little bit, and I do think that this is an ordeal where you have this big of a money line where it becomes either take the money line of the big giant underdog or you wind up laying the run line of the favorite right now with the Atlanta Braves run line. You're finding that at a minus 140. I was willing to go up to a minus 144. I would just need a little bit more to be able to take a shot on the Pirates because they just don't warrant action 
at this point with the way that they've been playing in the Braves since June 1st. They have been the best team in all baseball in terms of records. So looking at the run line of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm taking a look at an 8.5 under end. Something else I'm taking a look at is everything that we're going to be getting for this upcoming football season. The guys, Mitch Moss, Paul Howard, they do an amazing job over here at Follow the Money and. They've got you guys set for what we're going to be getting for this upcoming football season and just everything in the sports betting world on Wednesday right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare 